to season three of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kelby Bachman, and the song you just heard is Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith. And it is also the walkout song for the next guest on the show, Dr. Dale Crozier. So Dale wrestled at Cedar Rapids Prairie for coach Ron James. After high school, Dale wrestled at Northwest Missouri State, where he is actually the all-time wins leader. Dale became a teacher once he graduated and excelled in the educational field. He started in Nebraska before working his way back to Iowa, stopping at Akron Westfield and Midland, before finishing out as superintendent of both MFO Marmack and Eastern Alamakee Community School Districts. In listening to Dale, you will find he intertwines a lot of what he learned on the mat with what he does off of it. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Dr. Dale Crozier. I got some stuff. I wrote down a couple notes. I oh, want to get in some some fun stories about. Yes. You know, they're just fun stories. I was thinking of some different stuff, you know. Like like what? I don't know. Just like one night before graduation, Al, Al Reichs and your dad was they were writing down. It was like about midnight and they were writing down on napkins stuff I should say at graduation. Like, mm-hmm. like, because I, I don't know who was, one of their kids was graduated. I don't know what year it was, 06, 07 in there or something. Mm-hmm. And anyway, they had all of these great ideas of very inappropriate things I should say <laughs> to 2,000 people, you know. <laughs> and, and and just to be a shit, I, you know, the next day they were all there. And I actually brought the original napkins up to the podium and I said, yeah, some of my, some of my friends have, have made some suggestions and I'm going to read them. And so I opened up one of the napkins and I read, you know, every student should try their hardest to be positive. Or, I mean, <laughs> I made some stuff up that, you know, but 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 I had them nervous. Yeah. <laughs> I had them worried that I was actually going to read some of that. <laughs> so you had the napkins, you opened them up and you were going to, you you bluffed that. I totally bluffed. Okay. <laughs> yeah oh my gosh did you help steve write his speech at all not at all he actually his speech was a poem right yeah sorry yeah you're right a poem about the teachers absolutely not i would absolutely no i wouldn't help i mean part that would be part of my philosophy as a parent to not help a kid <laughs> write a speech <laughs> um well I guess I'll ask you this. Uh, my parents always tell me, they always think it's the craziest story or one of them. It's just a cra- great story about how you, Jim Zaleski and Barry Davis even got into wrestling. Yeah. Story? What story I'm talking about? Well, kind of. I mean, um, you know, Lenny played basketball. Mm-hmm. Lenny played basketball in Lenny Zaleski. Yeah. He, he, um, Played basketball in seventh grade. Let me think how that went. He played basketball in seventh grade, and he wrestled in eighth grade. And we were, you know, a year behind. But he had played basketball, and he was he was rest, gonna wrestle. Yeah, he wrestled. He wrestled in seventh grade. Wrestled. In, he played basketball anyway, and mm-hmm. and. Jim really didn't know what he wanted to do. And he was a good athlete. He could have went either way. And we went to the meeting in seventh grade. The story is, and I sort of remember how this, we went to the meeting to the, to bat for basketball. 
You know, no, Barry Davis was in wrestling. He was all wrestling. Barry was different than the rest of us. He started wrestling when he was, you know, a little kid. And we we didn't. We went to a few tournaments, you know, but but our parents took us to a couple tournaments and we they had like the coach Melgram, who was before Coach James, had a fourth and fifth grade two-week thing that we did, and that was about about it. But we went to um the meeting for basketball, and there was just a lot of kids there. There was like a hundred kids there, and then oh two hundred kids or whatever, just a whole shitload of kids. And then I'm like, Jim, let's go see, let's go to the wrestling meeting. We went to the wrestling meeting, and there was like twenty five kids. And I'm like, I think we should go out for wrestling because we'll have a better chance to start because there's less competition. <laughs> and, and and that was part of the reason. I mean, that was sort of part of the reason. But the other part was Lenny had wrestled. He played basketball, and then he decided he was going to wrestle, and and um, so we decided to wrestle. Yeah. And that, was that that was like the, the first time you wrestled too, besides those two weeks? Yeah, two weeks. And then we went to like a couple of little kids tournaments and we got our asses kicked. Yeah. Because, you know, and that's part of my philosophy. You know, part of, part of my philosophy on that is the, the idea that um, you put, if you want to, if you want to make ice cubes fast in the freezer, put, put hot, you know, put hot water in the, in the ice tray, because once the process starts, they chill quicker. And it's kind of like, you don't have to start wrestling, you know, when you're three years old. In fact, sometimes if you start later, you'll progress faster. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes. Yeah. So, but we haven't started yet, right? No. Yeah. We're going now. Oh, we're going. (laughs) Is that true that if you put ice in the freezer yeah, yeah something like that yeah there's i don't know i'm not a scientist but there's things yeah. like that like the, pro- the process you know mm-hmm. I, I think i think the process of things is 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 really really important you know so so like um or or becoming you know with um with jim zaleski barry davis um lenny zaleski you know we, we had so i was i was very fortunate to be surrounded with all of these later unbelievably great wrestlers and -hmm. we had no idea at the time how good we were we were totally we just didn't know how good Mm -hmm. how good we were going to be but the the process of becoming so we started you know we were cedar rapids prairie was kind of known as cow pie high because we were all a bunch of farm kids and we did a lot of bailing and we did a lot of farm stuff and which was ended up being good you know but we just started um you know, and, and I mean, not all of the kids, some of the kids were, were in the suburbs of Cedar Rapids, Barry lived in Lincoln Way, Jim, Jim and Lenny, you know, and, and I lived um, by, by Fairfax, and we all just lived, lived around, Mike Hassey lived in Ely, you know, but we started becoming, I don't, I don't know, we started to beat all of these other teams, and, and it was the first, we, you know, we would beat Cedar Rapids Jefferson and Cedar Rapids Washington, and they were traditional powerhouses. And then we started competing with the Bettendorfs and the Waterloos. And then we started getting ranked. And it was just a fun process of, of becoming who we were. And that was, that was great. And at the time, we had, we had no idea that we were going to have a future silver medalist in the Olympics and a three-time national champion and a two-time runner-up. And just all, all of the success that we had, we had no idea. You when know? did you when did you start to realize that you guys were getting pretty good? I think we probably realized that. I mean, Prairie always had a strong 
wrestling tradition, Cedar Rapids Prairie, you know, and, and uh, when I was, we were little, we would go to the meets and watch the meets. My mom would take me and Jim's mom would, would take him and we would watch the meet and, you know, and Barry was always in it. He was in it from, from a young age, you know, and, and uh, they were, we started to realize, I would say in maybe ninth grade, maybe ninth that we were, we were all in eighth, ninth grade that we had a future. We had, a, we had a good junior high coach. He taught us, taught us Mr. Bogner, taught us very basics in wrestling. And, and, and then we had um, coach Melgram was there before coach James. And he came from, I think Eagle Grove and got the program going in the right direction. And there was a lot of, um, you know, wrestling was a kind of a hype and we just, everything just kind of gelled together. And I would say when we were freshmen, we knew that we had, we had a new coach and we were, we just had kind of a, a very bright future in front of us. When did you start to really fall in love with the sport? Like, were you good right away? I guess. No, no, I, well, I've never really was uh, good is a relative term. Right. I I would say that maybe I'm still not, you know, or (laughs) I mean, that's, it depends on how you compare yourself, which is, which is really interesting. You know, I mean, you know, if you take, um, I mean, I probably, probably when I was around eighth, ninth grade in there, ninth grade, you know, mm-hmm. that I knew that I started winning tournaments and started having success. And then I was able to place in the state in 10th grade. And that's, you know, and then I started to do the freestyle and Greco-Roman freestyle and Greco-Roman. I actually liked that more. I enjoyed that more as a wrestler than, than, you know, folk style, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, that would be, but I really, I really never realized my potential in, until I was, you know, at the collegiate level, really. For mm-hmm. me. How'd you land at Northwest Missouri? Right. How'd you, how'd you land at your college? It, oh, that's a story. Um, yeah. Well, because it was um, Northwest Missouri state, correct? Yeah. Northwest Missouri state university. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, uh, Coach James, our our um, high school wrestling coach, he went to Northwest Missouri State, and oh. in my uh, senior year, um, I was ranked pretty high, like second and third all year long, and I didn't place, you know, and and it was a kind of a realization that I needed to go someplace else through a kind of a process that I went through. I realized I needed to probably grow up. I didn't realize, I, I mean, I was around, you know, I was around the Iowa program. I mean, Lenny, you know, Lenny was two years older than us and he was recruited heavily by Gable and Robinson. And then Barry and Jim were, were heavily recruited. And so I was around that all the time because I was around them. And so so I was kind of just like a side, I was kind of like a fifth wheel on some of that stuff. And there was kind of a, a metamorphosis of sorts that I realized after my senior year that you know, I got to, I would rather be, go to a smaller school and, and have potential success than, than go to the University of Iowa and maybe never wrestle. So, so that, and that was a hard pill to swallow, but coach James met with me a a couple of times after the uh, state tournament. And then uh, this, this guy, the head coach for Northwest Missouri actually had a pilot's license and flew up and met with a couple of us. He met with Doug Penrod and myself. And, and I ended up, I was impressed by that. I mean, when you're 18 years old and someone flies an airplane to recruit you, you're like, Hey, that's pretty cool. So, (laughs) so that's kind of how I, 
that was kind of how the whole process went. And, and, you know, so I kind of followed in my coach's footsteps at Northwest Missouri and I had a, had a good career there, you know? So. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Did you wrestle at like the Hawkeye wrestling club? I don't know if that was really quite a thing well, back then. Like did you, you know, and Barry and those guys go? In summers when I was over the, over the summer, I would go down and train with them. Yeah. You know, that that's, so I was around it in the summers, but mostly, mostly, um, mostly no no i didn't the, the hawkeye wrestling club would be post collegiate people training for the olympics mm -hmm. you know i did go to a couple of regional i did, did go to a regional tournament the, the last chance tournament one at one time so, so just so i could say i did it you know and 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 but and i won a match but but um yeah you know of all the people you've uh, you're interviewing which, which by the way i'm just very honored that you want to talk to me <laughs> My credentials aren't that fantastic compared to some of the people you talk to. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I don't think I've talked to anybody. I'd have to think and go through, but I don't think I've talked to anybody who is the winningest wrestler at their college. Oh, well, I, I am. And there's a story <laughs> in that. Um, I don't know how many losses I have. <laughs> more, more wins than losses. I, yep. I, have, I think I have 110 and win around 110 wins. But but um, probably 25, 30 losses, uh, and and a lot of those losses are, you live in you live in um, Omaha, right? Right. Yeah. So so you, in the Ryan Kaufman Open, named mm -hmm. after Ryan Kaufman, I probably I wrestled Ryan Kaufman probably a half a dozen times, and he kicked my ass every time. <laughs> and then he he graduated, and I was like, good, I UNO graduated Kaufman, and then they had Mark Manning who I couldn't beat. And yeah. then so I lost to him a few times. And then fi finally there was, they had someone I could beat when I was a senior who went, went on to be a, I don't remember who he was, but he went on to have a real good career later. He was a freshman, you know? So mm -hmm. yeah, I was able to um, compete and actually beat a lot of all Americans, but um, myself, I uh, lost in the blood round twice. I went to NCAAs three times in division two, but um, fell short you know, and, and um, in the blood round. And, and so I could, I wanted to at least be able to say I placed eighth once, <laughs> mm -hmm. but uh, the win record came kind of, I, I didn't really even know that I was close to breaking it. And, uh, you know, so um, it just kind of happened. I was about at the end of my junior year or going into the beginning of my senior year that, that it just, the, the newspapers, I found out by, I read about, that I was going to break the record in the American <laughs> paper. So, yeah. But wow. um, then, you know, they dropped their program. Mm -hmm. Actually, Craig, Craig Schweinebart, who was our 150-pounder, who would have broke my record, but then, you know, I think he was on the road to breaking my record, and there were some other people that were on the road, and then they, the program kind of took a turn later in the 80s at Northwest Missouri, as did a lot of D2 programs. A lot of D2 programs in those days and D3 programs, either, you know, D2 back in those days, you had California schools that, you know, when lots of the, the North Dakota state, South Dakota state, a lot of the schools that are now D1, Colorado state, a lot of the schools were all D2, you know, so, so, um, and through a series of events, budget cuts, um, Title Nine, and I'm just so you know, I'm all in favor of equal opportunity for all mm -hmm. athletes. I was a big uh, supporter of girls wrestling in Iowa, and mm -hmm. 
in a roundabout way, Title IX hurt wrestling at that time because of the, you know, the equality of, of um, gender equality in the sport. So a lot of a lot of sports just cut wrestling. It was just an easy solution. So so that that process happened for D2. Um, you either went D1 or, or um, you know, dropped your program. And uh, D2 is different now than it was in the 80s. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah you're right. You know, um, you can drop. There was no women's wrestling. So no. obviously there was not like there's, you know, if you have a men's tennis program, you can easily add a women's and collab, you know. Um, but, yeah, you can't do that. So like you said, it was just an easy drop because you couldn't really combine it with a women's program like you could with other sports. So, right. Right. Yeah, the women's program in Iowa is I'm just very happy with that proud of that incredible you know, I was, on, was lucky to be on the um um well i have a friend who was on the board of board of control for the iowa high school athletic association from osage the superintendent at osage you know and then there's a representative council and i was on that for a few years and we all wrote letters and barb who was on the board of control you know i mean it was, was we had a lot of people who wanted girls wrestling when girls wrestling came to iowa mm -hmm. and also, um, I don't know what year it was, 07 or 08, I was, I went to Fargo. So, you know, when my kids, when I took, I used to take my kids around to freestyle tournaments and mm -hmm. part of my philosophy was, you know, I need to back off and let them have fun. So I would referee and I kept refereeing and I kept doing it for several years after my kids were out of the house. And, and I actually, I went all over the United States and refereed, but, but I was in, in had the opportunity in Fargo to referee the finals or the, the medal matches for the girls in about 07 or 08. And um, I was just thinking, wow, you know, I was really missing out because the level of competition for, for these girls is just tremendous, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, but, it, but none of them were from Iowa because, because they were all from other States. Mm -hmm. So that was, that, that was a, a realization to me that, girls wrestling needed to come to Iowa and it needed to be in its own, you know, category. Yeah. And man, it's, yeah, it's booming in yeah. Iowa. <laughs> um, so let's talk real quick about the transition from your wrestling days, because like you said, you didn't have these highly, you know, these high credentials, um, but you were able to find your way in the sport and make a name for yourself and meet all these people. So like when you got done wrestling, Northwest Missouri State what what was the next step after that did you like you you obviously became a teacher yeah you did know you I went for education did you major in education no I majored well I majored in and I ended up getting a certificate to teach I majored in humanities and philosophy and public administration political science oh, really? and, and a whole, whole bunch of other stuff mm -hmm. but, but I uh, the university hired me as a tutor so I, this was a kind of a big, so the university, and, and I didn't redshirt, but I didn't wrestle my first year. Because like I said earlier, I needed to break away and go and make my own way. And I needed to go find my own. I needed to grow up. Yeah, I, I knew out of high school, I needed to grow up. So I went to Northwest Missouri and I just didn't wrestle. I mean, I and, and I decided I would wrestle then my my next, you know, four years. And so, so. So I went through my next four years and my senior year, I'd already graduated. So I had um, a year of wrestling eligibility, but, but nothing really to do. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and nothing to major in. So that's so I ended up majoring or getting a or getting to get a master. I ended up getting a master's degree in history because they didn't offer anything else that I had had undergrad degrees in. So I just took that. But the <laughs> university hired me. I had two roads. I could either be a grad assistant for wrestling, mm-hmm. which would was one whole would have went led to a whole different life, I suppose. And wow. or or I could be a graduate assistant in humanities and history and humanities and philosophy. So I took the second path and I had, you know, a, a desk in an office of in a cubby hole up in the humanities department. I tutored kids. Mm-hmm. I tutored kids for two years and I really found a lot of I got a lot of rewarded, a rewarding. It was a rewarding experience to be able to help people understand stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I found out that I, hey, maybe I can teach. That's kind of how that happened. It was just kind of an accident. But if I would have went the other route, and I almost did, you know, I, I actually Randy Stewart, the longtime coach at Loris, mm-hmm. became that grad assistant. And he was at Northwest Missouri. Nobody probably knows this. He was a grad assistant at Northwest, and we became friends. Then he went to Loris and had a very illustrious 25-year career at, at Loris, coached many All-Americans. He got to start in wow. Northwest Missouri. And and I think if I would have done it, I don't know if I would have stayed with college coaching. I, I just, it, it wasn't in the cards for me. And I just really, really didn't want to go that route. So, but in going the other route, you know, I was still able to wrestle and the professors and stuff worked around my schedule. And of course, when you're tutoring people, you can tutor them in the morning or at night or on weekends or whenever. So it really didn't matter, you know, so that, that all worked and, and uh, that got me into teaching. So, and then I taught and coached wrestling. I coached at Akron Westfield from 85 to 88, you know, and we had, I really enjoyed coaching when I did it. I just, I knew I wasn't going to do it forever. I, I knew right away that I was probably going to go into administration because the, and the way that happened is the superintendent, they had this budget thing and the superintendent came and asked me if I would lead this program. It was called phase three and I didn't know anything about it, but I said, yes. And that worked out really good. And so then he said, you should go into administration. So I did. So that's kind of how that happened by accident. Sort of. <laughs> But <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we we won districts. We had seven kids go to state. Yeah, we actually, I don't know. And it, kind of a side story, Tim Hayhall. Mm-hmm. So so the first year I was a coach, I had no assistant, and we had some eager kids, and it was fun. And you know, we did a lot of things in the room. We just had a lot of fun, and we had success, and we were becoming getting better. Anyway, my second year, I really wanted an assistant. Mr. Mikulski, the principal, came in about the second week of practice and said, here's this guy here. He's going to be student te- student teaching with us, and he would like to be your volunteer assistant. And it was Tim Hayhoff. And no. no. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So so Tim was a student teacher. And and Donna, his wife, who's, you know, I think Trevor Hayhall, did you know him? Yeah, you know, yeah, we graduated together. We yeah. graduated together. Yeah. Well, well, I knew I knew his mom when he was she was dating Tim as a, when Tim was a student <laughs> teacher at Akron Westfield. Isn't that funny? You know? What? It's, yeah, you didn't know that probably. No. No. And anyway, so and Tim, oh well, like he just he brings so much flavor to a program. For example, we had this one kid I was just talking to it 
But so there was this kid, his name was Shane Bodorf. And he was one of the seven kids that qualified for state that year. And, and he had this, I don't know, this move that Tim taught him. It's a counter to a double, a double chicken wing. So it's like you sit through on a double chicken wing. Mm -hmm. So he got so good at it that because some kid pinned him in a double chicken wing. So he got so good at this move that he would let kids put him in a double chicken wing so that he could try his move and pin him. And like, and I'm like, Tim, that's stupid. That's stupid. That's not how you wrestle. You don't let someone put you in a pinning combination. That's just like not how it works. It's not proper. But Tim was like, it works. You got to let him do what works. Mm -hmm. Like, fine. You know what? He's not going to make it to state anyway. You do what you want with him. Well, he makes it to state. <laughs> you know, that was that was a good experience for me because kind of what I learned in that is not everything works for everyone. And, and, and you kind of got to, you got to, kind of adjust your situation to to each kid you mm -hmm. know so so um yeah wow was, and then later on so later on the way way that happened is at mfl marmac so we had a dean of students positions and we had dean of students position and we had probably 25 applicants and so we went through all these applicants and there were many well-credentialed applicants for that position but when Tim Hayhall's name came through, I'm like, hey, I know this guy from like, you know, 20 years ago. I coached with him. He's awesome. We have to interview him. And so we interviewed him and hired him. And then he became MFL Marmax Dean of Students and Assistant Wrestling Coach. And then he went to Osage and there you go. Wow. <laughs> yep. So. Wow. Yeah, I, co I coached at Akron for three years and, you know, then, then I went to Nebraska yeah, so, did you start a wrestling program there in Nebraska? I did. I did. So I started a wrestling program. And um, well, what I was there, I was the 7 12. I was seven. So I was, you know, superintendent at E High School in Lansing for mm -hmm. the last 12 years of my superintendency. It was shared. And honestly, Eastern Island, McKee, and Culbertson were like mirror schools, you know, about 300 students, just, just a, like a, a nice little school district and there was we had we had a lot of kids that were kind of I, I don't know they they we didn't we had a lot of kids that had like some Russian heritage to them and they weren't really? super tall but they were stocky and strong and they were good in football you know but they would walk around the halls in the winter and we also had this thing that this place called the Cornhusker Christian Children's Home which was kind of a place where if you couldn't it was kind of like kids that couldn't make it into boys town they, they, I mean, there were some badass kids, you know, and I was their principal. I kind of liked them, you know, and, 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 um, I just thought they needed wrestling. So we went and got, I went and got a wrestling mat and, and, uh, from, but we bought a wrestling mat from this other school for 1500 bucks. And I remember hauling it back in the, in a, on a hot day and with a trailer, this guy loaned me this trailer. It was in the middle of the summer, just a lot of stories about starting a program. But anyway, so we started the program and uh, held practice at the children, Christian Children's Home. I had to, I drove the bus. I had a, got a bus driver's license so that I could drive the bus to practice and drive the kids to the meets. And, uh, you know, so, and we had, we had nine district qualifiers and three state place winners in the first year we had the program. So, wow. so yeah, we had some success. Oh. And then two of those kids became state champions later on after I left wow. So, so that was fun. So, yeah. Now my assistant, 
my assistant coach had never had anything to do with wrestling and he was the the football coach he was my assistant coach and now he's a champion kayak bass fisherman <laughs> he, <laughs> he became a principal for most of his career and then in, in, in nebraska and now he goes around and fishes in these kayak bass tournaments and he comes out he goes to prairie to sheen once a year he usually stays with me mm -hmm. so he comes out for a couple days every year yeah so but Ooh, yeah yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> and i ended up so i was superintendent at midland for mm -hmm. eight, you know, yeah before before um before mfl Marmac. and while i was at midland i truly every year tried to find a coach but um i couldn't find a coach so i coached so mm -hmm. the reason i coached for i think three years at midland is because no one else wanted to do it Mm -hmm. so, and and we had some success there too. We had some state place winners, and you know we were we were formidable. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So that's my coaching career. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, we we talked a little bit about your wrestling career, and you didn't quite make it, you know, or get to where you wanted to on the podium. You know, your credentials, you wanted that all American status. How'd you handle defeat? And, you know, maybe how did you sort of mold that into teaching and coaching and, and, and things like that? Yeah, well, that's a good question. And, you know, I've been thinking about that and, you know, athletics, it's, it's kind of a paradox. Um, I think the whole, and not just wrestling. I mean, you know, there, I probably used to believe that wrestling was the best sport and and this is a wrestling podcast so i have to be careful what i say but but i'm not saying that wrestling is a very important sport and when you go back to the original olympics it was one of the first sports mm -hmm. you know i like to play that card yeah. <laughs> basketball is one of the last ones i think it was <laughs> it was invented in canada in what 1820 or something i don't know but anyway and they're all all of the sports are good you know mm -hmm. but, but athletics it's kind of a paradox, and I think it has a high place on, on the one hand. I mean, I think it, I think there's a, a high place in human existence to compete. I think we have a, a need to compete. But on the other hand, it's just sports. It's mm -hmm. just wrestling. So, so, like, if you compare wrestling to, like, Ukraine or the Mideast Mid right now, there's no comparison. You know, on the other hand, it's controlled human activity that we can all gather around and 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 uh, that makes it important. So in a way, athletic competition is the best and it's pure and it's right there with art and literature. Um, and the Greeks saw that, you know, they saw that in their personification of athletics in the Olympics. And and I would say that that, um, you know, and that element, it's always good to compete. On the other side, you have to keep it in perspective. And you have to, I think you have to um, kind of, kind of season that with reality, you know? So, so um, for, for me, I tried to No, I never made it to the all American podium and I, and I didn't make my goals, but most wrestlers don't, you know, and then that's actually, you even said that when we were talking earlier and I'd never really, really thought about that. Maybe all that deeply but if you took all of the national champions say take a weight class take pick any weight class and take all of the national champions over the last 50 years of course the weights have changed so you'd have to adjust it a little bit but you'd have 
if you took 50 national champions and you could make them all the same age and put them all in the same tournament, there'd only be one winner and there'd be 49 losers. So, mm-hmm. so you know, and even if you're a – there's some of my friends. I, I've been around, you know, Jim Zaleski, Lenny Zaleski, Barry Davis. I've been a, spent a lot of time with Tim Hartung. You know, mm-hmm. I know you interviewed him a while ago. And th- these people are limp right knocking at the door, n- multiple level national champions. But e- even they suffer with with defeat. Mm-hmm. You know, even they do. You know, they they may have been a three time national champion, but not make it to the Olympics. Or or you know, so so there's there's different levels, and you're always at the level of where you compare yourself to. And when I reflect on my wrestling career. I am just so grateful that I was able to be around the great wrestlers like Barry Davis and Lenny Zaleski and Jim Zaleski, you know, and, and even, even Mike Hassey, Mike people, there's Kevin Brown, people, people on art, art heart and people, there's people on my team, Larry Zaleski, there's a third brother, you know, there's all kinds of people that, that I was, went to high school with that, 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 um, we became good because we were around people that were great, you know, and, and if I wouldn't have had that opportunity, I probably would have been, you know, I might've qualified for districts my senior year. That's, that's about how, how it would have been. I would have been in an average program and and it was the people around me that made me who I, who I was. So, so I tried to do that. I've tried to implement that with my leadership, and as a superintendent, I've tried to surround myself with people that are better than I am, like mm-hmm. curriculum, you know, curriculum, instruction, you know, finance. Actually, I'm pretty good with finance. But <laughs> but anyway, you know, stuff like that. And just try to hire people that have the skill sets. And, and I try to hire people that will challenge me. I don't want a bunch of yes people that will tell me, you know, just say whatever I want. And, and I, I think I learned, I know I've been able to do that. And I think I learned that from wrestling. I think I learned that from the process in, in high school, really. I don't wow. know. That's what I think. Yeah. I'm sure that's, that's true. So. No, that's good stuff. I mean, surrounding yourself with people who are better than you can be difficult, you know, because you want to be top dog. Sometimes your ego gets in the way and you want to be the best and, and so if you surround yourself with people that are better than you, then that makes you feel maybe less than. Or, well, you yeah, know. you know, when, when I think of of um, my high school experience, we had about 60 kids out for wrestling. And, and Gee, um, really? Yeah, we had we were in the high 50s. And one of the things that we would do is these monster, the coach would have these monster man drills. And so, you know, they would take if you were a, a starter, they would put you in a circle and so there were 13 weight classes or they would take half of them. I think he would take half of us and run sprints and the other half would be. So like if I was 132, I would be at my circle and all of the other people, all of the JV 126s and 132s and 138s and 145s. And there was a lot of them. You know, when you have that many people, there's a lot of kids in the room. And so some of these kids, you could just kick the snot out of them for the first 10 minutes. And then for the second 10 minutes they got kind of hard and by the third by by you're 25 minutes into it you don't get a break and they get breaks you know they're just throwing you around and that's humiliating but it's also makes you tough and that was a great that was a great drill and you can't do that drill when you have 15 kids out for wrestling right 
So, so in that way, part of our success was, was everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's why when I think of wrestling, you know, it's thought of as, as an individual sport, which it is. Mm -hmm. And I think when you go out on the mat, it's just you and that's all true, but, but yet it's a team sport because you're all working together towards the same goal. And if you don't have a large group of people to work from, you're not going to be able to, you know, kind of kind of sharpen the iron with iron so to speak yeah and you kind of said it earlier just just a minute ago um that you were surrounded by great kids then that made you better that made you so like you know you all had the same goal i mean i think of just like the spartans you know there were only 300 of them you know but they all had the same goal and so that's why they were always so freaking tough is because even though they were outnumbered they were one unit yeah no well you know I'll never be satisfied with my high school or college or, or, or international. I wrestled internationally a little bit too, mm -hmm. but in, in Guatemala and in Puerto Rico, but, but um, you know, and I lost a couple of times down there, but, but it, but it happened, you know, I mean, it, it happened and, and uh, most of us have to grapple with how to deal with not making our goals and, and uh, you know, wrestling or any athletics. And I think I see high school kids in all sports, Athletics is important and it does not solidify our worth as a human being. It doesn't, you know, and that's, that's the realization you have to come now. Now as a school person, you know, as, as a school leader, I try and I'm proud of this. I'm happy because Amethel Marmack and, and Eastern Island McKee, we've had a lot of success in athletics and in fine arts and in academics. And I think, you know, if you don't have a strong music program and if you don't have a strong athletic program, there's going to be kids that slip through the cracks. And so, you know, the idea that public education needs to be just about, you know, academics and nothing else. That's that's really a false statement. Re mm -hmm. Really, you have to have a, all elements, a holistic, you know, offering for, for students to be able to thrive and, and achieve. And um, I, I think I learned that through, through, I guess, the losses, I guess, the hard knocks that I had to take. You know, I, I, I suppose that that's probably molded me and how I lead schools because I want to offer opportunities for kids. So they are, they're all not going to be, you know, state champions. And they're not all going to be, you know, they're, they're not all going to go to D1 schools and play football, you know, or, or, or basketball. So they're, or, or they're not all going to go, you know, you know, um, on to be in Hollywood or on Broadway in drama. Some mm -hmm. are, you know, we've had some good success, but most kids, most adults at one time or another have to deal with failure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you just had a, a good quote a great quote I should say about that like sports is not you know everything and that you have to handle kind of moving on essentially yeah so how did you handle that you know it's easy to preach that but it's but when you come to terms to it it can be a lot harder as an individual you know I can tell I can preach that all day but yeah you know well I've always you know moving forward I mean I just I wrestled with the kids in the room. I mean, you know that. I mean, I until I was, 
actually my back is finally at the point where I'm going to have to come to the realization that I can't wrestle with high school kids anymore. You know, yeah. but when Steve was, when Steve was a senior, that was in 2009, I went to the air force wrestling room and practiced with him and I could hold my own with him. And that was in 2009. So I would have been, oh. you know, in my late forties. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but it's, it's about the time. So I tried to stay active. I tried to be around students and, I tried well Mississippi freestyle. Yeah, so, yeah. Start starting starting a freestyle club and being a refereeing and just being around the sport in many different ways as much as I could is is kind of how I stayed active in it. But as far as coming to grips, I've just been very grateful that I had the opportunity to be who I was. You know, I mean, and and again, it probably sounds like I'm making an excuse. But I'm actually very satisfied with my career. I'm very happy to be the winningest wrestler at Northwest Missouri, even though I wasn't an All-American and lost twice in the blood round, you know, and, and once in overtime, by the way. But, but, but um, you know, I'm still happy that I was able to have to, to have a, even a, to be a medalist and to attend the state wrestling tournament twice in a 3A school. That's something, you know, you have to be happy. And I know that I, I know I gave, I know how hard I, I worked at my sport, you know, I know I worked damn hard at it. And, and so I really don't have any regrets on that. Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I, it's really ridiculous to have regrets if uh, over something when you give a hundred percent, I'm not saying I don't have regrets. Everyone mm -hmm. has regrets. And anyone that says, if you, some people, you know, want to have tattooed on their ass, I have no regrets. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that That's BS to me. I think everyone, if they had a, a second shot at something, they would do things differently. In mm -hmm. fact, I think that having regrets is part of the process of learning how to move forward with the rest of your life and get it right the rest of the way, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. So. One thing, you know, when we were talking the other day, <clears throat> um, you talked about your coach, Ron James. You know, he was your head coach at Prairie. Um, and one of the things he always preached to you, you said, was do your talking on the mat. Yeah. You know, um, what was that about? You know, well, just thought behind yeah, that. I, I don't know. I think we beat, I think one of someone beat a kid 38 to two once and got in trouble. And I would beat kids by a lot because I couldn't pin them. I would just, I would cradle them and turn them on their back and, 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 Coach knew that, so I didn't really get in too much trouble. But if you were just, you know, it was kind of like go out, take them down, pin them, shut up, you know, mm -hmm. and 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 you know, don't make a spectacle of it. And and it's kind of like, so when we wrestle these schools and we beat them, we still haven't won the state tournament. We did win the state tournament, you know, in '79. We you know won it all. But it's kind of like on the way there, it was like you need to go out, do your job, and shut up and do your talking on the mat. And the thing for me is that always stuck with me. And my dad was kind of like that. My dad was a World War II vet and, and uh, came back and farmed all of his life and was a very, he was a big role model for me, you know? And, and but he was just kind of a quiet giant, you know, my dad was. And so I felt like that's kind of how I needed to be just as a superintendent. I just needed to get the budget right. I needed to hire good people. I needed to surround myself with, with excellence and I needed to shut up. And uh, that doesn't work in everything. 
And it mm -hmm. took me late in my career to understand the value of marketing in a school district. Mm -hmm. That's one area, you know, that, that I missed for most, for most of my career. Because like at MFL Marmac, we've been great. But one of the things that's helped us is we hired this person that's really good, that's had some experience with, at KCRG and, and uh, some TV stations in Davenport. We, and she's helped us with our marketing. And actually, my wife, Brandy, has helped us with our marketing, too, through COVID. And, and we've done a lot of stuff with our school district to promote it. And, and uh, both school districts, actually, Eastern Alamo Key, too. And the more you promote, they kind of go hand in hand. So not everything holds true for everything. Mm -hmm. So it's still, you know, if you don't have anything to market, there's no point in having market. So mm -hmm. still, I think it goes back to my coaches saying, do your talking on the math. I, mm -hmm. I think that's the most important, but it's okay to um, promote yourself a little bit too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just, um, I've heard great things about the the play that, MFL just had um, Little Mermaid. Yeah, Little Mermaid. Mermaid. It was good. Yeah, it was good. So, um, Steve brought up good brought up to me that I want to talk to you real quick about something. And you kind of brought it up too. You wrestled at the Hawkeye Wrestling Club for a little bit when you lived in Oxford Junction, right? Is that where you were when you were traveling over to the Hawkeye? Yeah, Wrestling Club? I, we lived in we lived in Oxford Junction, and I wanted to stay, you know, in, in shape. And I and I actually went to a went to the last chance Olympic trials and, and I was, you know, in my early thirties. So, mm -hmm. so, which was, you know, but, but yeah, I went to the Hawkeye wrestling club and wrestled for a few times, you know, for a winter, a winter yeah. and part of the summer. Yeah. yeah. A couple times a week. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. was that? What? what was that like? Oh, it was intense. You know, yeah. it was intense and I had good partners and, and uh, I don't know, I would go down to Tipton sometimes and wrestle with Matt Neerham too. Remember Matt near me was in all wrestled for Iowa and, and he yeah. was head coach at Tipton. So yeah. about the same size. And so, yeah, I would go down and work with them sometimes too. Yeah. When did, um when did you get Steve and Rob involved in wrestling? You know, um, I didn't push them mm -hmm. and, and um, I, I didn't push them cause I have this, I don't know. I, and again, I'm, I'm not against, kids that are in, you know, three years old and four years old. I think Lincoln McElravey, Lincoln, Lincoln McElravey from Iowa started wrestling, or from South Dakota started wrestling when he was, I don't know, one. And, and <laughs> I think he was, a, he won state, I think six times. I think he won it in seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th. I, I just, you know, you can do that out there. And and I think he went all over to all kinds of tournaments, all of his, and there's lots of kids. The Zadex were like that. I mean, there's kids that started and they liked it and their dads pushed him, but they had the, the relationship, a positive relationship. Yeah. And I think that in some situations that's, that's good. I, th I think that other situations it's not good, you know? So, so I think I don't want to, I think that it's possible to try to live vicariously through your children. And I see as a school administrator, I, I see this in basketball. I see it in little kids basketball, you know, little kids wrestling, you know, it's probably happens in little kids soccer. I don't know, but, but um, people wanting to, they want their kids to experience what they missed out on. And I, like I said, I'm, 
even though, you know, I didn't make all my goals, I was pretty satisfied with my career. So I really didn't have anything to prove to, to, through my kids. It was just like, I want my kids to experience wrestling if they want to. And if they don't want to, they can go do something else. So that's kind of how I, I um, looked at it. And I'm mm -hmm. glad I did it that way. So I got them started maybe a little late, but I took them to a few tournaments. And uh, as, as they went through, you know, Steve took onto it more than Rob, but Rob stuck it out, stuck it out all four years. And I, I never, you know, pushed on. I'm glad he did, but you know, Steve gets a lot of credit. But you know, Rob started as heavyweight for MFL Marmot. Yeah. And I don't know. This is a pretty good story, but people don't know this. But Rob was, I think, fourteen and fourteen or sixteen. I think he was sixteen and sixteen as a senior heavyweight for MFL Marmot, and he wasn't any bigger than I am now. <laughs> and, 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 or actually it was probably smaller, but, but anyway, um, he had to drink a whole shit ton of water to make mm -hmm. weight every time he had to drink a gallon of water to make weight every time. And then <laughs> I do, I did hear that story, those stories, because yeah, you had to be at least like, I don't know, 185. There, there was a minimum. Yeah. Some crazy amount, like 183.2 or 180. <laughs> 5.1 or some stupid thing. I don't know where yeah. they came up with it, but yeah. that's what you had to be. So yeah. he would drink water and all the rest of the kids were cutting weight. And here he was drinking water. And it was just kind of paradoxical, I guess, is the word. To, to yeah. see and then, you know, and then, you know, so after they would weigh in, they would weigh in and, you know, if you drink that much water, you got to go to the bathroom a lot. Yes. The team would keep track of how many times Rob <laughs> went had to go pee after he weighed in it was like they kept track of it you know and so it was kind of funny so i don't know that was a fun bunch yes yes those were good times um they they worked hard but yet they still knew how to sort of you know unwind you know and have right. a good time um so yourself um yeah back to you you started when did you start officiating because that also really opened some doors for you yeah, I started started refing when well I took the kids with the Mississippi freestyle. So we started, you know, Mississippi freestyle. Um, yes, I would I would um, you know, we needed a freestyle program at MFL. That that I think that probably helped us. Actually, we ended up having kids from surrounding schools come. Yeah, the game was kind of stupid. I don't know why we called it that. I called it that, but. <laughs> We would go to these tournaments and kids would think that we were, we came all the way from Mississippi. <laughs> then we had t-shirts made and everything mm -hmm. else, you know, we flow like the river. That was our saying. Yes. That. So, yeah. So, so, but, but um, I would take these kids and again, I, I wanted them to have the experience of freestyle. And I, like I said earlier, I enjoy freestyle and Greco freestyle more than, more than it's probably my favorite style. And I was able to, um, you know, wrestle during college during one summer, I was able to go to wrestle a bunch in, in, in Guatemala and Puerto Rico. And I really enjoyed freestyle. So, but, but um, I would take them to the tournaments and I would ref and they would wrestle. So kind of how that happened is I was, you know, the coaches would help. And this one guy from USA wrestling came over. His name was Mike Garvey. He was the, he was the head of the state referees at the time and said, Hey, Crozier, do you want to, if you want to do this, I can, you can sign up and you can become an official referee. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not doing anything else. I'm taking all these kids. Yeah. 
and I kind of set it up so they would coach each other mm-hmm. because I didn't really want to coach him because again, I wanted it to be a summer fun experience for them. And so they, I would ref and they would wrestle. And, and uh, it just, one thing led to another. And so I started getting better at it. And then, so I made it all the way through to the, the top level. And then I started refereeing at Fargo. And then I went, I refereed at, you know, the university, I started ref, refereeing at the university na- level and did the university nationals. It's a freestyle tournament. I did that a few times. And, you know, did the last time I refed was in the Iowa wrestling room, actually. It was the, there was, a, I don't remember which year it was. I think it was maybe 2013 or in there, there was a, someone got married and someone got hurt in one of the weight classes. And, and I think the Paulson, I think Paulson got married and Hebert might've got hurt or got married. I, I don't know. They were both, and they decided, USA Wrestling decided to just do that whole weight class over again. And so they did it in the Iowa wrestling room only m1 referees in the area and, and a couple of other guys so steve knipp who was the you know longtime coach at waterloo east and jerry reichs from out and, and then yeah you know rob williamson who, who passed away a while great great referee who was the head of everything recently passed away we we um we um, um all met together and and uh refereed that refereed the weight class and we did, I did four or five matches in the Iowa wrestling room. And that was the last time I ref. So, and it was a good experience. Tom gave me a couple t-shirts and, 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 uh, you know, it was a good experience. So, <laughs> but um, <laughs> the Fargo, I met a lot. I was able to meet a lot of people. And another thing I really like about that is there was a lot of leadership training that USA wrestling provided. And, and um, that was good too. Actually, I have a friend, Doug Manley. Doug Manley is someone you should maybe consider doing a podcast with someday. He's an unsung hero. Doug Manley is from Akron, Iowa, and he refereed in the state tournament. He refereed 25 years. I think he refereed the last 13 in the state tournament and did the state finals. And then after he retired, he became a trainer of referees. And and a lot of the stuff that they did at USA Wrestling Iowa is doing now for their referees, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not easy. I mean, not, not, not a lot of people want to be referees, right? You know, it's just, it's people bitch at you. I mean, especially in folk style, the thing about my level, and I've said this before, I would, I would rather, you know, I got to referee the regional Olympic trials in 2008. And then again in 2012, and I would rather referee a Olympic trial with with the Kale Sanderson and Tom Brands in the corner uh, than I would a little kids tournament, because with two dads that don't know squat about wrestling screaming at you and telling you you don't know what you're doing. So mm-hmm. so I mean you know that there's there's um referees have to put up with a lot I think at the high school level at the at the on down you know mm-hmm. I, I do and and uh, so but. <laughs> so it's hard to find people that want to ref. So mm-hmm. that was part of the reason was they just needed referees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How'd you meet Tim Harton then? Well, he was coaching on the origin of that. He he was coaching at at Iowa with Jim. He, they he coached at Iowa with Jim for a couple of years, and I, that's yeah. how I met him. And then we um 
then he went over to um, Ames, and he was he was oh, at Iowa yeah. State. He was at Iowa State. I'm actually wearing Iowa State sweats right now. So, no, no so. I'm kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just happened to put them on today. Yeah. Now that I'm retired, I can go to Walmart in my sweats. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I met Hartung um, th through. Zaleski, because Hartung was his assistant, and then we both fish a lot. So I enjoy fishing, and so does Tim. So we, our friendship, we fish in a couple of tournaments every year up where he grew up at, up in Durand, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. We do well in that. We usually do yeah. well. I'm, actually, here we go is another story. I'm kind of like, you know, it was kind of like the, um, you know, kind of like the, the fifth wheel in wrestling at Cedar Rapids Prairie. I'm also the fifth wheel in the fishing boat too. He they always <laughs> out catch me. But yeah. we win the tournament. So yeah. You know, that's not the first time you said that you were the, you know, that you were the fifth wheel or whatever. But how did you sort of overcome that? You know, I've I've asked a few people about this before, like imposter syndrome, you know, where you're you're surrounding yourself with these people who have all these credentials and then there's you, but yet you just fit right in. Like that doesn't deter you from being like, hey, I belong. You know, yeah, I don't. I, I've heard of this imposter syndrome before, and I don't really understand it. I've I've never really doubted my own, you know, I guess abilities, and mm -hmm. and I know that I that I've done, you know, as 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 well as I can with what I have. I know that, and that's why I'm satisfied now. Like, and I was thinking about this, you know, the gold medal for that is the current Air Force coach. I mean. Think about, I mean, so the air, I might actually have slightly better credentials than Sam Barber. I don't know, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but, but I know Steve really liked him and yeah. I think their paths kind of met. I think, I think Steve was about done when he came because mm -hmm. he would have had, um, oh, let's see. He, he would have, he would have had um, um, Bauchman and, and then share it. And yeah. then, I think I think that that you know um, Horton and Barber kind of came towards the end, but I know Steve really spoke super highly, super highly of 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 Coach Barber, and um, you know he was and common, and he had a lot of leaders. Um, but look what he's done with that program. Yes, you're right. You know when I talked to Sam Barber, he was, yeah, just a guy that you, I don't know. I don't know how to describe him. Just a really nice guy that you understand after talking to him and after meeting him, why he's so successful. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say, right. and I only met him like once and I liked him. Right. You know, and that says something when all it takes is just that one interaction to be like, wow. Okay. I, you know? I think, I think he and Chet kind of, I think, didn't he, did he sort of, did he and Chet's paths cross slightly? I think they did. Yes, I don't probably I, I believe so, yeah. I think I think they did, yeah. Um yeah, he he was had these connections to Upper Iowa somehow, and then he was all over the place and now he's the head coach at Air Force. That's great. Yeah, yeah. He was at Augsburg for a year. Um he actually Barber actually took over at as like an interim when McCready passed away. Yeah. So yeah, Coach McCready, you know where I live right now in McGregor. So I was yes. trout fishing, um, and I don't remember who I was with trout fishing, maybe my uncle. But anyway, I met 
Mike McCready with Lenny Zaleski at the entrance to the Pink Elephant Hotel. Marquette, <laughs> Iowa. And that was my the only time I ever met him. And, and, I, and I remember meeting him. It was probably in 19, you know, 80 something. Yeah. And, and I remember the I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah. Because Lenny Zaleski, you know, and, and they were pretty good friends. So yeah. The Pink Elephant Hotel. Well, it, it was, you know, where Marquette is, it was there's a where the gambling place is, there's a used to be oh. a set up on this. They they condemned it because it was on a hill and they thought that it, there might be a landslide. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, just the wrestling, you've been connected and gotten connected with so many people through the sport. Um, I want to ask you, I guess, real quick about Lenny, because you bring him up quite a bit. Yeah, he was kind of the, um, he was probably the, he was our leader, I guess, yeah. you know, with Jim and Larry Zaleski and myself. And, and uh, you know, we would just, basically he had a lot, like, like I said, he was in basketball, went out for basketball in seventh grade. Mm -hmm. you know, Lenny has quite a story, you know, Lenny, Lenny, um, you know, um, Lenny got really sick when he was a young kid and he overcame that and, and, and um, was, you know, was in wrestling. And, and um, then, then he went to, um, I don't know. He was a two-time runner-up at, at Iowa, a state champion once, and then a two-time runner-up. So he kind of kind of bloomed kind of late. He lost twice to Andre Metzger, you know. And, but then he went on to do a lot of freestyle. He's he was a very good, you know. I think Olympic alternate, and, and uh, he was an Olympic alternate at least once, and just has great credentials. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, lots of Lenny stories. Yeah. Back in the day when we used to fish and hunt, we used to hunt a lot too, pheasant hunt and duck hunt. Mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. So they, they had a dog. The dog's name was Rover and we would take a Rover with us and we would maybe go to Ely Creek and we would climb this tree. It was probably stupid, but there was this deep hole and we would climb this tree about 15, 20 feet and then jump, jump in the hole. And we would take <laughs> Rover up and we would throw him off the tree and let him <laughs> jump in the hole with us. He liked it. So we yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. So, oh my gosh, memories. Yeah, how did you have like? How did you create time with all this? You know, being a superintendent, um, a father. You know, you were still able to. You know, was it just like? Was that your way of just kind of refreshing yourself, disconnecting a little bit, and coming back fresh to, to life? Or, well, with with um, being a superintendent, the good thing about that is that. I'm where my kids are when they're growing up. Mm -hmm. so that's been, you know, I didn't have to plan my schedule necessarily around my kids because my schedule and their schedule were similar. So mm -hmm. I went to wrestling practice a lot when they were in wrestling. I, you know, I took them to tournaments. So I just tried to make kind of my life kind of pattern after what their life was. And that made things easy. You know, so I think that, and this is maybe off track, this is maybe a little bit I don't know, philosophical or whatever you want to call it. I think that the life you live as a parent and as a person and as an athlete and as a leader or whatever you are, I don't think there's parallel lines. I don't think there's four or five different ways to live. I think you live one way and you have to let that way kind of kind of flourish through all of your things you do, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think I don't think you can turn a switch on and a switch off. For, for, I mean, I 
I think there's different different times that demand different things. I think you need to be in the moment wherever you're at and whatever you're doing. I mean, if you go in the wrestling room to wrestle, you need to be all in and you need to be at practice 100% during that time. And then if you go to a budget meeting, you need to be 100% in that. But but your your character and who you are stays the same through everything, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So. How'd you, how'd you do that when you faced adversity or, you know, Steve and Rob just lost a big match and now you have to go into this budget meeting. You're like, gosh, I don't really care about, or whatever meeting it was, you know, teacher in service. And you're like, well, geez, my son is at home, you know, just beat to hell because of a loss or whatever, bad grade. Yeah. And in those situations, you know, well, again, being the superintendent, I had enough flexibility that I could kind of make my schedule and I could be there for them when they needed me. So that didn't really happen. If they, if they needed me bad enough, I was there, you know, Mm -hmm. I I think there's a fine line when you're raising kids. I think there's a fine line between, between being there for them and letting them find their own way too. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't, I, I tried hard to not be a helicopter parent, Although I went to most of the wrestling practices and I took them to most of the tournaments and I was around them every day and I cooked for them every night. You know, I was a single dad, you know, raising through when they were in high school, junior high, you know, so, so it was like, you know, and, and that was, um, yeah, that was, that was a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, so there's a sister in the mix too, you know, they have, there, there's Jenny. Yep. You know, yep. Yeah. She's in, is she in Milwaukee? She is in Milwaukee with her with her husband. Yeah. 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 She's doing well. Yeah. What does she do? Well, I think she's a I think she's a stay at home wife right now. I think I mean, she has some kind of a business. She's started a new business, I think, in house cleaning. But I don't think she really cleans many houses Mm -hmm. and manages other people that clean houses. Nice. Nice. Good. (laughs) You know, I think a lot of dogs too i don't okay. know used to, yeah you know so but before that she was she sold beer yeah i was gonna say i thought she was a bartender yeah for- well no she was a distributor for a for oh a, oh yeah not a distributor but a but a sales person a person mm-hmm. to go around and make sales to places yeah yeah, yeah that geology major at at, at um the University of Wisconsin really helped her. <laughs> Geology kind of sounds like you, you know, uh, your history, philosophy, poli sci majors doing. Well, a philosophy major, a philosophy major and two dollars can get you a cup of coffee at most convenience stores. Mm-hmm. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, good. I'm glad Jenny's doing well. Yeah, well, I know. I know we don't talk about her much. Um but uh, yeah, it deserves a lot of credit, you know. Well, she, she was, you know, li- living with her mom, you know, in, in, in a different lo- location. So, yeah. so you don't. But she was a big part of their life too. So yeah, there there was um kind kind of um balancing a lot of things. That's yeah. just what it was. Mm-hmm. No way around. So, so then that leads me to ask you, how were you able to balance all that and still, you know, you talk about going into wrestling practice and giving hundred percent, going into the budget meeting or whatever and giving hundred percent. How were you able to do that when you weren't feeling 100%? You're juggling all these things as, as at the time, a single father, you know. Yeah, I think that's where it goes back to wrestling. That's where you just have to kind of suck it up and and, and, and be a little stoic about it. You just mm-hmm. have to kind of 
you know, suck it up and, and, and get through the, get through the situation. Yeah. I, I do think, you know, and there's, a, there's another balancing act. It, it's not wrong to show emotions and it's not wrong to, to, um, you know, complain. And, but at the same time, sometimes life is tough and you just gotta, you just gotta get from point A to point B and, and that's that's the most important thing that matters at the time. And you can't really whine about it, especially when you're a role model to everyone else. I mean, as a superintendent, there's, you know, a couple hundred people. I mean, when you're the superintendent, people evaluate you way more than you're evaluating them. I mean, they're watching you way more, you know, and and so you do have to kind of just just. Deal with what you're given. You know, there's, there's, there's this, you know, we're, we're in, we're given certain things that we, we can't control everything around us. We can only control certain things. And then we need to focus on the things that we can control and, and, and let, let, and put our, put our energy there, I think. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I never really had a big problem with, I didn't have that many times where I felt like crap. You know, I mean, physically, if I was sick, I would, you know, stay home. I didn't get sick that much, but really I was pretty, I try to stay pretty positive. I try to keep a positive outlook on things as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, earlier you said that wrestling is um, an individual sport, basically, you know, you're the only one out there, but it also works as a team. You know, yeah. it kind of reminds me of um, a school district. Yeah. You know, each teacher has their individual class, yeah. but also want to work together as a team. Did you sort of mold those together? Yeah, I sure did. I think there's a gestalt um, of, of the whole of a whole school district or a culture, um, kind of a general flow of things. And, and uh, you know, I can see building to building to school district to school district. The culture is is different. Um, but over time, and this is something that some people criticize me for, and some people don't, a lot of people probably criticize me for it. I'm a big believer in slow and deliberate in school districts. I'm a big believer that change, you know, I really don't as a superintendent, I really, you know, I know a lot of people that, Hey, I'm going to stay here two years and go here for two years and go here for two years. And then I'm going to be, you know, superintendent of the world or whatever. I, I would rather stay someplace for a while and, and work on the culture slowly. And, and yeah, those individual educators are in their individual classroom and, and that, that matters. And there's nothing more important to a school than the individual teacher in the classroom. You know, that that's, that's the most important thing by far. It's more important than the curriculum. It's more important than, that then then you know what, what kind of whether your gym's new or old or 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 whether you know you have the nice drinking fountains or whatever i mean it's all that's all secondary you know but the teacher in the classroom and those teachers need to be able to work as teams and and that kind of happens over time the the idea of can a can a school district can a group of elementary teachers give and take you know like like um like my kids, I got to go do recess duty. Can you cover, you know, my my reading group and and like kind of kind of like think on the fly, you know. And and those those cultural things don't happen in a day; they happen over a long period of time. And yeah, you can really see them. 
and you can really see them and it makes you smile when you see it going in the right direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, yeah. and I would say there's a, a lot of, of my philosophy on that came from the idea that, that, um, you know, a, 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 an athletic team and a wrestling team, especially you're an individual when you're doing it, but you also have to rely on your team for support. Cause, cause I know if I wouldn't have had the teams that I would have had, I would, I would have never be where I would, I would, there's no way would I be where I am right now, you know? So <laughs> I know that. So I don't know if that, did I answer you? So yeah. Answer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's next? What's for next me? for me? Yeah. Well, you know, I just retired and, mm-hmm. and like I said, I can go to Walmart and sweats now, like the rest of the <laughs> What's next Thursday? I'm going to go watch the Bulldogs in the state football state championships. Mm-hmm. You know, so so that'll that'll be a big big thing to look forward to. Mm-hmm. So no, I'm I'm going to try. I'm going to try to write a philosophy textbook. Really? Yeah. Um, and I'm working on my outline. So I'm going to. You know, I taught philosophy for 18 years at MFL Marmac. That's yeah, maybe you don't. Did you know? Yeah, maybe you, I think you mentioned that when we talked, uh, you know, yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and, and, and I enjoy that. And, and I've had some success with it. We've had some kids actually go on and major and two or three of practicing lawyers, you know, started out with. And, and, and so and I think that teaching philosophical concepts to 18 year olds and 17 year olds is different than, than, you know, at the college level, because, you know, you grow your ability to look at things analytically changes the frontal lobe of your brain there's mm-hmm. research, the frontal lobe of your brain will grow until you're into your late 20s so and that's 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 the the that's the kind of thinking that 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 requires you know so you got to teach it differently and i've done it long enough that there's some things i'd like to share in a textbook you know for kind of like a pre-philosophy philosophy or something like that so i'm going to try to do that you know and and uh, so that's kind of what what i'm thinking is going to be next for me i don't know how that relates to wrestling maybe it doesn't relate to it at all no that's all right um any involvement in wrestling you think going forward or is that sort of oh you know i just talked to chet honestly ironically i just talked to him today oh really and and, you know your uncle chet who did a lot for for um mfl marmac wrestling and that's a whole other story there too is how he um how he molded the team you asked me and that's that's always that reminds me of something that's kind of a side note. I mean, yeah, he wanted me to he asked me if I was going to come to the room, you know, and, and I remember when I first came here, you know, someone warned Chet. He told me that someone warned him, well, you know, the new superintendent has a wrestling background and he has two sons. So, you know, keep your resume ready, you know, kind of like I'm going to go metal. Mm-hmm. Well, it was it was my you know, I met with right away I was like Chet you know you're the head coach I don't want to be the head coach I don't I don't want to you do however you run your program I'm going to support it you know and, and I'm going to agree with it and if I disagree with it you're not even going to know it you know because mm-hmm. I'm just going to and, and you know he's he's had a great program he's taken our program to to new levels and uh you know he's had a lot I mean he had you know you had well Dale Eckert you know years ago before I was here started a lot of things and you know and then you had people like your dad people like al reichs 
um, uh, and and uh, people like you know that that just came and and had these programs for kids and gave their time and volunteered their time. You know, so so there was there was kind of a a a, a kind of a um kind of a, a fertile ground to have a solid program, mm -hmm. and we've had a very solid program here at MFL Marmac for you know over twenty years. I mean, we started winning conference titles. I remember when Chet won his first conference title; it was a big deal, mm -hmm. you know. And and, and um, I could never really understand that because I was like, "We got to go beyond that. We got to quit thinking conference and start thinking state," you know. Mm -hmm. But I do understand that the conference was—it was a tough conference. I don't think it's anything like it used to be, but that that whole whole process. And so, what I'm going to do with wrestling right now is just continue to be supportive. Maybe go to the room a couple of times. Um, you know, the last, the last time I really wrestled was a couple, couple years ago when Gabe was training to Gabe McGow was training yeah. to go to, to, um, to the state tournament. And, and, you know, a lot of those kids, when you're good in high school and you're good on your feet, you know, you, you don't, you don't, you're not on the bottom very much. So, so I would go try to ride him for a while. So we have it someone of we're about the same size so I could ride him. So we would have someone to practice to getting away. And in his state state meet, he did get away. Yeah. Lost the match, but he got away. So I was happy that, that, that <laughs> he escaped, you know, and mm -hmm. ended up being the sudden death overtime takedown, which was a heartbreaker, but you know, yeah. someone's got to win and someone's got to lose. So mm -hmm. I'll just stay supportive. And, and I think, you know, another thing, this is something I wanted. I didn't have that many things I really wanted to say in this, but I wanted to say, tried very, very hard to support all athletics yeah. in the schools I served. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's a perception that wrestling is going to get the lion's share, but I can say with 100% certainty that it didn't get any more than anything else. It didn't get more than football or basketball or baseball or any of the other, or the fine arts or, mm -hmm. or anything else, you know. And, mm -hmm. and um, I think that's important, you know, that to, to have, to have um, a balance of, you know, all of those things. Yeah. yeah. A couple of things I want to say on that one, people don't realize how tough the conference was back then. Teams like Postville uh, Valley of Elgin, was, yeah. they, they were freaking tough. South wind has always been pesky, you know, um, North fat West union, like, They've always been around like that conference and it still is still has its tough, you know, tough teams and whatnot, but back talk about the treaty, you know, we had, we had Valley when I came yeah. here, it was its own school, you know, treaties yeah. were on the team, his son, yeah. Joe Sotoma, I think yeah. I remember him at two fifteen. He was like that. They were tough. Mm -hmm. So, um, and the second thing is, yes, uh, I, I, I believe you when you say that wrestling didn't get the lion's share. I mean, our women's basketball team, when I was coming through, oh yeah, the state finals, oh yeah, like it, it, yeah. So they had a good coach. Yeah, they, they had a good coach, and they had they had a bunch of tall girls who were very motivated. Yes, and and, and you know, um, yeah, you know, so so yeah. um, they had they had all of the right things pieces fell into place, and they just started winning and winning and winning and winning and winning, and there they were. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the plays were okay. You know, I went, uh, no, they were good. I went to, um, my sister was in Treehouse of Horrors or whatever, Little, little Shop of Horror. Little Shop of Horrors, yeah, yeah. Where, the, where the plant grows and yeah. starts to eat people. 
yeah yeah so yeah. Um, um feed me <laughs> yeah and i think feed steve me, I'm that play too or behind the scenes or something but well another thing that we've excelled in is our speech in one act um there's actually a whole a whole group we have strong both school districts both eastern alamaki and mfl Marmac have really strong strong um um you know speech programs and right. and and we have all state participants we didn't have an all, all state in speech it took me a while to understand this we, hey we have 15 kids going to state and i'm thinking okay we're going to state in speech well going to state in speech is kind of like going to sectionals and wrestling or something it's not the same but if you make it to all state that's like a very rare thing and okay. you get a banner for it and everything else and so and we have kids now that make it regularly to, regularly to all state and wow. so that that didn't used to happen it happens i think we had nine kids one year make it so and Holy that's cow. i attend that i usually try to attend that those those events ones in ames and ones in cedar falls and uh, yeah, it's good to see our kids doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Wow. Which is another individual thing where you're out there, you're all by yourself reading yeah. your prose or whatever. But when you're done, you go back to your team and they build you up and criticize you. So it's a lot like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, before I let you go, um, you know, when did you sort of realize it was it was time to retire? You know, because you're still pretty, still pretty young. Like, I mean, it just seems like you could have, potentially kept doing this but when did you decide yeah. well i can answer that i'm glad you asked that i mean not that many people ask me that i retired in, intentionally before i before i knew i needed to because i wanted to get off the mountain while i was on top of it not while i'm on my way down hmm. so that's there that's the best answer i can give you because you know i could have kept and and i was going to retire in, in 2021 but with covid i felt like I had to see the districts through COVID. I had to I had to get them through the end of that. You know, I couldn't just quit in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and that probably sounds a little cocky. I mean, there's probably some people that wish wishes that I would have quit 20 years ago or whatever. But I mean, you always got when you're the superintendent, you're always going to have people. That's another thing that I learned from wrestling. You're always going to have people that don't like you, that don't agree with you, and and you know, you got to consider what they're saying and you got to think about that but in the end you gotta be confident in your own ability to make your own decisions mm -hmm. i think i learned a lot of that from wrestling too you know mm -hmm. but 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 um yeah i just i wanted to um get i wanted to get out of it while i could still you know my wife brandy and i we'd like to we want to travel you know so we're going to do some traveling she's still working so she goes to work every day and I stay home and do what I want. <laughs> I'm still getting used to this, you know, I cook, you know, and stuff, clean the house and stuff, mm -hmm. even though we do have a other lady that comes and cleans every two weeks, which is nice. Mm -hmm. But, but um, yeah, so I wanted to get out of it while I was still on top. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of my, you know, my superintendent friends asked me that, but no one really, no one else. And I might go back and I, I might go back and say, work at, a, at um, teach at a college or be an administrator in a, in a college or, or in a, maybe I'll be a superintendent of a small high school in, in Wisconsin or something for a few years, maybe, mm -hmm. but I mm -hmm. haven't decided yet what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm liking the retirement thing more than I thought I would. <laughs> yeah. Good. That's good. Um, 
you know, and I guess at the end of the day, you know, one of the sayings goes is just like, you know, leave the place better than when you found it. And I think I, I hope people see that that's what you did at MFL Marmac and, and also Eastern Alamakee, yeah. you know, um, well, their 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 bottom line is strong in both places, so we were able to improve the facilities. Yeah, it's still some still a long ways to go, but like I said, it's a it, it's slow and deliberate. Mm-hmm. I think Fast and Furious, you know, is good is good for 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 a wrestling match, but not for a life, you know. So right. not for not for leading an organization usually. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. it is, but usually it's not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, I agree. You know, uh, sometimes you can uh, just get lost in the hubbub or you can get a knee jerk reaction and that's not good for the longevity of, you know, situations. You know, the hardest in my career, you know, the hardest situation I was ever in really wasn't, wasn't in Nebraska. It wasn't at Akron Westfield. It wasn't in MFL Marmack. It was in Midland. And, and so when I went to Oxford Junction, Mm -hmm. You know, Midland was Oxford Junction and Olin. It was Olin OJ High School. That was that was an, some of the old timers will will remember that. Mm-hmm. And, and then there was Lost Nation was a school district. Yep. And Midland was a school district. <laughs> you knew that? Yeah, they were all their own little school districts. And uh, I had to um, do the reorganization, and and that was Fast and Furious. And I agreed to it. And and sometimes you're in a situation. You know, I say slow and deliberate maybe that's part of that you know is because when i was in that situation we had no choice but to close buildings to reduce staff to blend budgets to do some to make some very big decisions in a very short order you know Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's required of you and that's what you've got to do so Mm -hmm. you know but but if you can create space so that you can make your decisions with a lot of data over a long period of time I think I think that's the best way to go, and that's what I've tried to do, to do here. So yeah, you were at you were at Midland when basically you consolidated all those schools into well, Lost Nation and and Lost Nation and and Midland were already whole grade sharing, so they were in a sense already consolidated. But the the bottom line paperwork wasn't done. But yeah, Oxford Junction and Midland, yeah, from start to finish, and we also had to terminate the agreement with Olin, which was not yeah. easy. You know that was. That was, that was, you know, in Monticello wasn't that far. I knew actually when you lived in Monticello, I was, there was, you know, I was really good friends with this former superintendent of Monticello. He actually tragically passed away and, 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 but, but um, um, really good friends with, with him and with the area superintendents. And we did some things. We actually started a auto mechanics class in Monticello with with midland and animosa and monticello all we all had slots really yeah i think it's still going i don't know yeah, <laughs> yeah that's how i know all those schools when you're talking about olin and lost nation my geez those yeah, are yeah yeah so you would you would yeah no that was um but the, the thing with that experience is that was right off the bat i went to midland and you know they i'm not going to say they lied to me but i didn't realize what i was getting into you know, yeah. so, so, so I got there and, and um, it was, it was just right out of the chute intense, you know, because, because the, the Oxford Junction, we needed to, there was some financial stuff we needed to work on right away. And, and we needed to, you know, get the districts, they didn't, they didn't like each other, you know, they, they, the people in all the towns, they just didn't like each other. 
Mm-hmm. And now they have a nice school. They have a new school, you know, a, a, a very nice thriving school. And I, I feel like I was, well, I know I was a major part of that. They don't know that, but <laughs> I know that. And that's good enough for me, you know, <laughs> but, but anyway, I ended up staying there eight years. So and that's something a lot of superintendents get driven out of town when they go through a reorganization. I stayed six years after it happened. So I just wanted to kind of prove to myself that I could not only survive this, but thrive in it, you know? And again, I had good people around me. I had some, I had some good people that I was surrounded by that helped me get it done, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Seems like that's always been, that's been your life. You know, you always, yeah. You know, you said it earlier, you've always been surrounded by good people that have yeah, only... I've been very lucky. That's been COVID. Through COVID, my my wife, Brandy, did a lot of the stuff that was an unsung hero in a lot of stuff, doing stuff, you know, with the marketing and with, with the, because when you're going, you're having school, we had, we had the one, two days off, one day on, two days off, which was kind of a, a you know, you had, you have your, people that are extreme, extreme. We need to go to school all the time, every day, every second, because COVID's a farce. And then mm-hmm. we had the people on the other side that were like, we're all going to get it and we're all going to die tomorrow from it. And mm-hmm. and so so you had to kind of mesh that together. And that yeah. was that was a political hat trick to, to get through COVID with two school districts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and people in small towns have large opinions. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. They all have a voice and they let you know it. <laughs> oh yeah, yep. I've I mean I didn't live it per se, but like as I've gotten older and sort of talked to my mom and dad about about things, you know, yeah, it's uh it can get pretty hairy at times. Yeah, but and it's, you know, know. It's a hat trick you kind of, you know, um navigating through those waters. Right. I did always try and I hope they real I hope Chet realizes this and I think I think Coach Detbarn realizes this, basketball coach. I think they all realize this. I always tried to support the coaches, you know. I always tried to support them. And we have some winning coaches. And, and uh, you know, every once in a while, you'll get a mom or a dad that gets turned sideways about something, you know. And, and uh, I did my best to support the programs that we had at our school. listening to this episode of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. Special thanks to my guest, Dr. Dale Crozier, for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. Cover art created and designed by Kristen Gill. Please feel free to rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. You can check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and my Facebook page to hear more of my content. And don't forget to check out my website at letstalkwrestlingpodcast.my.canva.site. And as always, be sure to tune in to hear the next guest of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. Take care. See you next time.